So glad that you are here today for a great day. Um, I, am, I am ready. I hope you are as well. I hope you've come ready to receive from the Lord, ready for God to do something in your life. We had an incredible 9 a.m. service, as Maritza said, just incredible response. Uh, many people raised their hand indicating that God had done something in their life at 9 a.m. So I'm believing for more of the same here at 11. But uh, let me just throw one more announcement at you, one more invitation to you. Uh, my wife, Kate, would love to invite you through me uh, today to join her and the ladies for a Bunko night this coming Friday. Um, ladies, if you haven't yet joined Kate and her team for a game night, uh, Bunko Ladies Night is on Friday night at 7 o'clock, doors open at 6.30. Uh, open to any ladies or girls 10 years old and up. So you can bring your daughter. A great way to invite friends. You know, you might have friends you work with or family members who will never want to step foot in a church on a Sunday morning, but they'd come out to a game night and have fun laughing and just enjoying a night filled with joy. Uh, they're going to be finishing up a, um, a kind of a service project together. Uh, they've been collecting items for hygiene kits for women through Convoy of Hope. They're going to be putting those together on Friday night. So she'd love to have you join her on Friday. Go to the website or go to use your church app and make sure you register. It just gives them a, kind of a heads up of how many people to be ready for, how many tables to set up, things like that. So if you could, ladies, if you plan to come, bring a friend and make sure you register yourself and that friend before you um, come Friday night. Amen, church? All right. So... Um, I hope that you are ready to receive something today. Uh, I, I am so, Maritza used the word hype. Maybe that's the word I'd use. I don't know, but that's a great word. I'm hype. I'm ready. I am so, I feel like God has given me a word for you today. And my heart, I hope that you'll lean in today. My heart is that you will leave here encouraged. Uh, we're going to have time at the altar. So if you're new today, um, you picked a really good day to be here. Uh, I'm so glad. If this is your first time, man, we're so thrilled that you are here. Maybe you're a new word to the church. You've been here a few times and you're not yet accustomed to how we do our service. You know, the whole hand-raising thing is a little bit uncomfortable for you yet. The people shouting out like it's all kind of uncomfortable. It's okay. You'll warm up to us. We're not all that crazy. But, um, but I want to kind of drop a seed in your heart before I open the word today, is that at the end of this service, I'm going to be inviting people to come to the front of the room. We, in this church, we believe in what we call this the altar area. And it's a place where you just make an altar with the Lord and you seek the Lord in prayer. And we have people praying with you. And so at the end of today's service, uh, it is Breakthrough Sunday. So I'll make an invitation uh, for people to step out of your seats and to come and just kind of stand around the front. And we're going to be, have a time of worship at the end and kind of praising God and worshiping him and believing together for breakthroughs in our lives. So I just want to let you know, like, again, if you're new today, this whole way of how we do church, it might be different. I, I want to help you know kind of what to expect throughout the remainder of this service. But I'm really praying that you came expecting today. Uh, we put a video out on social media just to invite you to come with a sense of anticipation uh, that's what faith is, right? Faith is believing what we hope for and certain of what we do not see. And so when we have faith, we're believing in something that is not yet. And so when you come to church, I hope that you'll come with an expectation that God either has something to say to you or that he has something to do in you. God is always available. He's ready to move and he's ready to speak 
and he's ready to do in your life. And I'm going to share testimonies today of, of supernatural healing that has just happened in the last couple of weeks in our church. And I, so I, I want to build your faith. I want you to be encouraged today. I hope that um, you would be with me in this. I, for the last couple of years, and I've used this language now for a few years, ever since the church has given me the opportunity to, to lead, I am believing in an increasingly supernatural church. You know, friends, right, you know, if you're a believer in the room, you know that when God does the supernatural, he's just doing what comes natural to him. God is the supernatural God, and when he moves mightily, that is par for the course. It's not like God shot a birdie or an eagle when he does something amazing. When God is supernatural, it's natural for him. And I've been believing at GT for over two years now for an increasingly I don't say a supernatural church. I want it to be on the increase always. That we believe that miracles and signs and wonders become the norm in this place. And I'm going to believe that as long as God gives me breath in my lungs. We sang about breathing and breath. Like as long as God has given me breath, I will believe for an increasingly supernatural church. And I will not relent on that. Okay, so I hope you'll still be with us next week. I'm believing God today, right now that you will see supernatural in this church. In fact, one of the prayers that I prayed this week is that there would be demonstrable evidence of a supernatural God. Around this altar, maybe in your seat, maybe through the live stream, but that there would be demonstrable evidence of the supernatural God at work in your life. That's what I've been believing for today. And I want to invite you, before I jump into the passage today, I want to invite you to fix your eyes on Jesus. There's a lot of things that you can have your mind on right now. You can look at me. You can look at your neighbor. Look at your phone. Your mind, you could be here physically, but you can be altogether somewhere else. You know what I mean, right? Like your mind can be elsewhere. I want to invite you right now, if that's you and your mind is elsewhere, I want you to do your very best to turn that off and to just fix your eyes on Jesus. In Hebrews chapter 12, verse 2 the writer says, let us fix our eyes on Jesus, the author and perfecter of our faith. That word, fix your eyes, it means to fix your focus. It literally means to take your eyes off of one thing and to move them to focus on something else. Whatever it is that has your attention right now, if it's not Jesus, I'm inviting you to change that right now. For the next 35 minutes, fix your eyes on Jesus. And the writer says... He's not just the author, but the perfecter or finisher of our faith. Do you know that Jesus can help you with your faith today? He can build your faith. The word says faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. God wants to help you to believe today. I thought it'd be stronger than that. God wants you to help you believe today, church. He wants to help you with your faith. It's very easy and natural for our eyes and thus our focus to be stuck on our problems. It's both easy and natural for you to allow your focus to be on your problem, your sickness, your infirmity, your struggle, your relationship, whatever that, that thing is in your life right now where you need a breakthrough. It's very easy for you to allow your mind and your thoughts to be fixed on that. And I'm, I'm inviting you to do what isn't easy today. I'm inviting you to, to allow the Holy Spirit to empower you to believe for God to move in your life. 
even in your own space right now, wherever you're sitting, wherever you're in line, start to ask the Holy Spirit to give you the faith to believe, to start to build your faith. I invite you today to fix your focus on Jesus and his sufficiency and on his supremacy in your life. The God of this universe, through Jesus, is, is both sufficient and supreme. And he's ready to move on your behalf. I want you to know this. The gospel narratives, Matthew, Mark, Luke. Again, if you're brand new, you haven't read the Bible yet. There's four books in the Bible, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, that primarily give us, they tell us the story of Jesus, about his words, his works, his miracles, his teachings. The gospel narratives reveal a very consistent message about Jesus. And it's this. It is perfectly consistent within the nature of Jesus to heal. When Jesus heals, he's not being inconsistent with his nature. It's not out of the ordinary for Jesus to do something marvelous and supernatural. The Gospels from Matthew, Mark, and John start to finish reveal a very consistent message that it is very natural and it's very keeping within the nature of Christ to heal. It's his norm. He is against sickness and disease and infirmity in your life. Jesus is still in the breakthrough business. He has not changed in 2,000 years. Jesus, the Bible says, is the same yesterday, today, and forevermore. Jesus has not changed, which means he is still in the breakthrough business. He's still ready and available and willing to move in your life. My question for you before I open Luke 18 is this. Are you willing to believe that he is willing to relieve in your life? Are you willing to believe that he's willing to relieve? Whatever burden is that it is that you're carrying today, whatever whatever sickness, whatever infirmity, whatever adversity you're facing, whatever attack of the enemy, are you willing to believe that God is willing to relieve in your life? He's not just able, he's willing. In Matthew chapter 18, verse, in chapter 8, verse 3, when Jesus has a conversation with a man with leprosy, Jesus says to him, he says, the, the man says this, I believe that you are able to do this. And Jesus' response isn't that I am able. Jesus says, I am willing. And are you willing to believe today? And I'm going to, listen, I, I know where some of you probably are thinking right now, like you're probably saying to yourself, listen, pastor, I'm older than you are. I've been praying for this for longer than you're alive. We're going to address that today. Jesus has something to say to you today too. And it's a word of encouragement. But are you willing just to, to, to stop that mindset for a moment, to say, you know what, I'm going to be willing to believe that Jesus is both willing and able to do what I need him to do today. Both able and willing Here's one more thing before I jump into the passage. Are you willing to embrace the fact that the bare minimum uniform witness of the Gospels about Jesus is that he is against sickness, disease, addiction, bondage, brokenness? Jesus, throughout the Gospels, there's a very clear and uniform witness that Jesus is against those things but he's for you. The God of this universe and Jesus, his son, is for you today. 
He's in your corner. He's on your side. He is for you. He sees you. He knows you by name. The Bible says he's got every hair on your head numbered, if you still have hair on your head. It's numbered. He knows your address. He knows your adversity today. He sees you, and he is for you. I want you just to, just to begin there. So what kinds of breakthroughs are we believing for today? Breakthroughs of, of course, physical healing, emotional brokenness, spiritual oppression, freedom from bondage and addiction, family healing, marital breakthroughs, financial breakthroughs. And you, you can apply it however you need to. I'm trusting the Holy Spirit to take this idea of breakthrough and apply it to your life specifically to you and what is happening in your life right now. Some, we've got college students home. Welcome home our college students. I've got my college students home. So glad to have the boys home today. College students, you're not exempt from this. There may be breakthroughs that you're believing God through in your life on campus. Maybe just a breakthrough of becoming a more bold witness for Jesus. Whatever the breakthrough, I believe that God has a word for you today. So if you have a Bible or you want to open your phone, a device, turn to Luke 18. We're going to look at a very short parable of Jesus in Luke 18. Everything that I read will be on the screen behind me if you're new to this. So here's what Luke records for us in the, the, the Gospel of Luke chapter 18. If you're still with me, say amen. amen. Luke writes these words. He's narrating this first before he gives us the words of Jesus. He kind of narrates what we're going to read. So Luke writes this, Then Jesus told his disciples a parable to show them that they should always pray and not give up. I'm going to pause, time out real quick right there, because I know that some of you have been on the precipice of giving up. You've got a white flag, it's in your back pocket, and you've been tempted to just kind of wave that thing in the air. You know what, Pastor, I'm, I'm done. I've fought this fight for so long. I'm just... I'm done. I'm, I'm tired of asking God one more time to do this thing that I need him to do. I can see some of your faces. I know some of your pain. I know some of the infirmities that you carry. And you've been tempted in your life to give up. And Luke tells us, it's very, before I give you the words of Christ, he tells us the why behind this parable. He says there's a reason that Jesus shared this parable. This is it. So that you would always pray and never give up, church. The reason that we're about to read, the words that we're about to read, is so that you would always pray and never give up. The Bible says, Paul said in Thessalonians, that we should pray without ceasing. NIV says pray continually, day and night. We should be in community, in, in fellowship with our Father in heaven. And the reason that Jesus said the following words is so that you would always pray and never give up. But Pastor, I, I've even come to Breakthrough Sunday before. I've been at your Breakthrough Sundays. I've come to the altar and nothing happened. And I walked out of the building kind of discouraged. Again, I'm just going to serve to you the bread of Jesus' words. Luke says, always pray and never give up. As long as you have breath in your lungs, God is not finished working in you and on you. He's not done. So here's, what, here's how the parable goes. This is what Jesus said. So now we get the words of Jesus. He said, in a certain town, there was a judge who neither feared God nor cared 
what people thought. Now, you might be tempted when you hear about a parable of a judge, like, is this, is this a picture of God? Like, is this like a, an image of God? This is not a, a, a metaphor to, to compare this to God. In fact, it's quite the opposite. He's contrasting a human judge with the righteous judge of all the universe. He said, in a certain town, there was a judge who neither feared God nor cared what people thought. And there was a widow in that town who kept coming to him with the plea, grant me justice against my adversary. Now, some of you can, can immediately identify with the widow because you have prayed the same prayer over and over and over and over again. Whether it's about something that you're battling in your own body, in your own life, about a, a lost loved one. Maybe you have, uh, probably a year ago, I prayed with a family over some alienation in their family. And they're probably still believing God. God, I'm, I'm still praying these same prayers, God. When will you bring unity and restoration to my family? And you're tempted to give up. And Jesus gives us this picture to know that it's not yet time for you to wave the white flag. The widow is a picture in the ancient culture of someone who, who lacks the means and the resources to help herself. You know, they, the, 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 the social agencies and social security and all the different things that exist today to help people who lack resources didn't exist 2,000 years ago. And so the widow is a picture of someone who lacks the means to care for themselves. Her husband had died, who was the breadwinner, the, the caretaker of her, her household. And now a widow is in many ways helpless. In fact, the Bible says that we should care for widows and orphans. It gives specific instruction to do so. And so the widow is someone who feels helpless against their adversary. Now I want you to note, too, that Jesus said in his telling of this story, the widow says, grant me justice against my adversary. Now that word adversary that Jesus uses in the Greek is the exact same word that you will read if you're a Bible reader. You know in 1 Peter chapter 5, verse 8, Peter said that your adversary, the devil, prowls around like a roaring lion looking for someone to devour. The same word that Peter assigned to the devil, the adversary of our souls, is the same word that Jesus used in this parable. Now, some of you probably have felt like you are under attack by the devil. Wow, Pat, preacher, you just got weird. Like, I didn't think there was such a thing. No, we believe in the word of God. The, the Bible is very clear that there is an enemy of your soul. His name is Satan, the devil, the adversary, the enemy of your soul. And he means to harm you. He means to steal from you, to kill you, and to destroy your life. But John 10, 10 says that Jesus came that we might have life and have it more abundantly. Jesus has come to give us life, and he's here today. That's the good news. He's here right now by his spirit. He is present in this room. Many of us are likely facing some sort of attack by the adversary. Physical, relational, emotional, spiritual, financial. Now, maybe your adversary is the devil. He's not, now again, let me say this real quick. He's not omnipresent. He's not here and in China. Like some of the things that you are facing in your life, maybe you brought on yourself. Maybe you're facing the consequences of some bad decisions. Or maybe you're just facing the, the fact that we live in a broken and depraved world. Whatever the case may be, Jesus is ready to deliver you from your adversary. 
whether it's sin or brokenness or sickness, think of it all as your adversary. Anything that keeps you from living an abundant life in Jesus can be thought of as your adversary. And the parable says that the, the, the unrighteous judge was eventually going to give justice. In 1 John chapter 3, verse 8, the Bible tells us why Jesus came. The Bible says that the reason the Son of God appeared was to destroy the devil's work. Anything in your life that isn't of God or is of the enemy, Jesus came to undo it. He came to reverse the curse in our lives. He came to destroy the devil's work. And wherever you see brokenness and sickness and, and disease, it's not from God. It's from the enemy. And so Jesus came to destroy that work. So the parable goes on. For some time he refused. This is, again, this is not God. This is the unjust judge. Jesus goes on with the story. For some time he refused. But finally he said to himself, he didn't say this to the, the widow. He didn't say this to the narrator. Jesus telling the story. He said to himself, this is the unjust judge. He said to himself, even though I don't fear God or I don't care what people think, yet because this widow keeps bothering me, I will see that she gets justice so that she won't eventually come and wear me out. This is not a righteous judge. It's not a compassionate judge. It's not a merciful judge. It's not a judge full of grace that is benevolent towards those who come to him. Jesus telling this story, this parable says, there's an unjust judge who is thinking only of himself. Like, well, that's a kind of a weird story for Jesus to tell. What are, what's the point of this story? Would you get to a pastor? Like, why did Jesus paint this picture of an unjust judge who eventually, out of selfish motives, helps the widow? He didn't have some grandiose moment of benevolence. He was trying to protect himself. That literally, the word that Jesus used, that she would come and wear him out, literally means to beat with many blows. Or to give a black and blue eye. Jesus said that this unjust judge is only into self-preservation. He doesn't care about the widow's needs, about her, 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 her plight, her, 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 her lack. He only cares about himself. Now let me say to you, in case you're missing the point, let me say the quiet part out loud. Now Jesus will get here in a minute, but let me just pause here and say to you the quiet part. If this unjust judge knows how to give justice out of self-preservation motives, how much more your loving Heavenly Father in heaven, who loves you with an unconditional, everlasting love, he is the righteous judge, the God of all the universe, how much more the God of heaven will respond on your behalf? How much more? That's the point of the story. If you're a literary geek, this is a juxtaposition. Jesus is juxtaposing. He's setting up this contrast. If a selfish human judge can eventually be worn down to give justice to a widow, how much more the God of this universe for his sheep in his pasture? How much more the God of this universe for the ones that he loves? This is the point of this parable. Jesus finishes and the Lord said, listen to what the unjust judge says. And will not God. I just want that to settle on your spirit today. 
I'm going to read those words again. I, I don't know where you're at right now, what you're battling, even what, what mindset you're fighting right now, what attitude of the heart. It says this, the, Jesus' words, listen to what the unjust judge says, and will not God bring about justice for his chosen ones? Friend, that's you and that's me. You and I are his elect, his chosen ones. We are, uh, when you come into faith in Jesus Christ, you, you get adopted and grafted into the family of God. You become his chosen one. By faith in Jesus Christ, by his death on the cross, he shed his blood as a payment for your sin. When you express faith in Christ, you become a child of the living God. And his, this word is for you. You are his chosen one, a new creation, born again into a newness of life. You are his chosen one. And Jesus says, and will not God bring about justice for his chosen ones who cry out to him day and night? Will he keep putting them off? Will God keep putting you off? Some of you are, again, let me just state the obvious. Some of you are thinking to yourself, well, he's done it this far. I've been asking, I've been knocking, I've been seeking, and thus far, I haven't had my answer. Let me circle back real quick to the, the reason that Luke gives for this parable. He said the reason that Jesus told this parable is that you would always pray and never give up. Some of you have been thinking about giving up. You know what, I'll just, I'll just accept this thing on me, this, this relational nightmare I'm in. I'll just accept this financial distress my families, and I'll just accept this disease on my body. Well, my Bible says in 1 Peter 2.24 that it says, by his stripes you were healed. Not are, but were healed. Whatever we need, Jesus has already provided. And Jesus, in his own words, how much more will the God of justice bring about justice for his chosen ones? Then he said this in verse 8, I tell you, he will see that they get justice and quickly. How much more your Father in heaven will bring about justice in your life? Friend, what do you believe in God for today? What are you waiting on God for today? What is it in what area of your life have you been tempted to give up on? God is here. He sees you. He knows you. He loves you. And Jesus' own words, he tells us this parable to, to remind us that how much more will God respond to you as you always pray and never give up? Here's a few very short observations I have from this parable. As I studied this text, as I sought the Holy Spirit, again, I, this word has been burning in my heart. When I was praying about three weeks ago uh, in this room as our staff prays on Tuesday mornings, I really, I was praying about Breakthrough Sunday and I really felt like the Lord told me to, to preach on the persistent widow. Because there would be many people who show up at Breakthrough Sunday with the mindset, like, I've done that already. I came to the altar and nothing happened and you're tempted to give up. And I felt like the Lord wanted to encourage you. Here's a couple observations. Jesus gave us this parable to remind us to always pray and never give up. That's the obvious, right? The reason this parable is in the eternal word of God it's so that you would be reminded today that you're always invited to pray and never give up. The second observation I had from this is simple. And it's obvious. Persistent faith gets results. Persistent faith gets results. 
And the last one is this. Our Father in heaven is a merciful and righteous judge. How much more then will he respond? If the unjust judge, out of selfish motives, can preserve himself and give justice, how much more the God of this universe will he deliver to his chosen ones who always pray and never give up? I want to tell you a couple quick stories that happened in our church over the last few weeks. I'm going to summarize briefly, and I'm not going to share names, but I, I, I know, because I, I talked to so many of you, I know the struggle is real. In fact, I know that there's a gap for many of you. For all of us, there's a gap. There's, there's a gap between what I believe. I believe everything you've said, Pastor. Like, I believe those things to be true. But over here in my regular life, like, I don't experience it. And there's sometimes a gap between what you believe and what you experience. And it creates this tension in your life. Like, I, mentally, I believe those things to be true, but in my real life, none of it's happening yet. And there's a gap. And it creates, so I'm gonna tell you in just a minute what to do with that gap. But let me tell you a couple quick stories. So there's a lady in our church who, who had stroke-like symptoms about a month or so ago, six weeks, and she was in the hospital. She was in ICU. The doctors couldn't really identify the root cause, but all of her symptoms seemed to line up with a stroke. Uh, she left the hospital without a lot of answers, and what she left the hospital with was a leg that had no sensation. As a result of what might, may have been a stroke, her leg had no feeling, no sensation. She was able to walk, but only because her body had muscle memory to know how to walk. She couldn't feel anything. She'd, she'd been praying and believing God, praying and believing God. Last weekend, she was at a women's conference in Hershey, and during worship on one of the services, she felt like she was having this conversation with the Holy Spirit. She's like, you know, I really want to dance right now. Um, the, the worship is so good, I just want to dance. And she felt like the Holy Spirit said, then why don't you? And she stopped and she's like, okay, then I will. And as she began to exercise her faith, her leg was supernaturally healed in that moment. 100% to this day, her leg is completely healed. It didn't happen here. Listen, God is everywhere present, right? I believe things are going to happen in this room, but it can happen on your drive home today. Another lady in the church came to me a couple weeks ago and told me this story that she was on, her, on the floor playing with her granddaughter in July, and she started having pain in her hip. And she, um, the, the, the pain didn't go away. It persisted. It got worse. She had trouble walking. She went to the doctor, orthopedic. They did an x-ray. They found a small crack. They did an MRI and discovered that she had this necrotic disease in her bone. The top of the femur has like, it's a ball and socket joint. And so the entire top of her femur was diseased with some kind of, necro I forget the technical name. It's a ne necrotic disease. Ne necrosis means death. And the top part of her bone was completely dead. The doctor said, we are scheduling emergency surgery. You will be on bed resting until you come back for surgery in three weeks. If you walk on this thing, your bone may collapse and you'll be in excruciating pain. So she took the doctor's order. She went home. They scheduled surgery. And after a while, she's praying about this. She's like, God, I just don't, I don't feel like God wants me to have surgery. Now, her, everybody in her life was saying, have surgery, go have surgery. Her husband, you need to have the surgery. It's obvious. The MRI is clear. She showed me the MRI. But she felt this nagging thing in her spirit, this unsettledness that says, I shouldn't be having surgery. She keeps going. Two weeks pass. She's like, the surgery's on Monday and it's a Wednesday. And she's like, God, will you speak to me, God? Because some of you, your breakthrough is you just want to hear God's voice. Some of you, the one breakthrough, the only breakthrough you, through that you want is you need direction in your life. 
You need God to respond about something you're waiting on. Like, God, what do I do with this situation? And she was praying that prayer. God, what do I do? I don't know what to do, and I'm so conflicted. And she gets out of the shower on a Wednesday morning, and she has this massive black infection on her hand. And she looks at her hand, and she says, well, hallelujah, I have my answer. Like, Pastor, I don't get it. Well, here's what you don't know yet, because I didn't tell you. The doctor told her it's very important that you protect yourself from infection. This kind of surgery that we're going to do, you would be very susceptible to infection. So you shouldn't even shave your legs, he said. Because a little nick of a razor could create an infection point, And then the surgery would become very dangerous. And so she looks at her hand on that Wednesday and she says, well, praise Jesus. I have my answer. I'm not having surgery. Meanwhile, her hip's been getting better and better. And she's like, I'm not having surgery. She thinks she got bit by a spider. So she calls the doctor. She tells him, doctor, I have an infection. I can't have surgery. He said, don't worry about it. You're having surgery. Come on Monday. He says, I don't care. He says, you need to have the surgery. So she's like, oh my gosh, like what on earth? So she says to her husband, who used to be a dentist, she says, honey, would you, if you had a patient that you had some kind of dental procedure and you had it scheduled and they told you that they had this infection, what would you do? He said, under no circumstance would I operate on that patient. And so she said, I'm canceling the surgery. So she cancels the surgery. Meanwhile, progressively, her hip gets better and better. She schedules another appointment with another orthopedic, gets another MRI only to verify that she has indeed been healed and she has no pain. She walks 100% free today. God healed her. The MRI proved it. She had a necrotic disease that does not heal. God did it. After service at 9 a.m., a young lady came to me, a good friend of ours. She said, Pastor, I just want to tell you, I never told you this, but God, listen to me. Some of you need to hear this right here. God healed her from anxiety. We know that, I mean, anxiety is like the, the catchphrase of our last three years since COVID, right? Anxiety, everything. She said, Scott, she said, God took me through this systematic process and literally delivered me from anxiety. Deliver her from anxiety. Why? Because God loves you and because he cares. Because God is able and God is willing to move on your behalf. Our worship team is going to pray, play a little bit of music here. I have a couple more uh, thoughts I want to share and then we're going to stand and we're going to um, seek the Lord for his move. Again, I remind you to put your eyes on Jesus, not on me, not on a worship team, not on your neighbor. Your eyes fixed solely on Jesus Christ, on his sufficiency and on his supremacy over all sickness, all disease, all infirmity, all adversity, all difficulty. Jesus is both sufficient and supreme. And I want you to fix your eyes on him and on him alone. So what do I do with the gap? Scott, I, there's a gap in my life and I, I, I can't escape it. There's this tension like, I know what I believe, but I know what I'm experiencing right now. Here's what you do with the gap. Two things. Number one, I want you to be reminded today that the gap belongs to God. Because the gap really represents the unknown. It, it represents what I don't, under, I don't know and don't understand about my circumstances right now. That's what the gap is. I know what I believe and I know what I'm experiencing. The gap is I don't get it. God, I don't understand. I, I, I don't, there's an unknown there. I want to remind you today that the gap belongs to God. 
In Deuteronomy 29, 29, the Bible says this, the secret things belong to the Lord our God, but the things revealed belong to us and to our children that we may follow all the words of his law. The secret things belong to the Lord our God. So the gap, number one, the gap belongs to God. Number two, what do I do with the gap in the meantime? Okay, so the gap is God's. What do I do with it? So I have a gap. Today, I'm going to show you, Jesus said this. I'm going to show you. You continue to fill the gap with faith. Because you know what you believe. This is what I believe right here. This is what I believe. And I'm over here right now. So I will continue. Persistent faith gets results. In spite of what I know is true right now, I'm not going to deny I have this, but I'm going to push it off to Jesus and say, he is the one. I'm going to exchange my sorrows for his joy. I'm going to exchange my sickness for his healing. And I'm going to continue to fill the gap with faith that regardless of what I feel, I know that God says I can be healed. I know that the word of God says by his stripes I'm healed. So I'm going to continue to fill my gap with faith until my experience and my belief align. Keep filling the gap with faith. I want you to stand today. I intentionally left a lot of time at the end today. We are not dismissing this service If you walk out the door, your car will explode in the parking lot, I promise you. No joke, by the way, we gotta, if you have a Hyundai or a Kia 2013, you got a recall notice that tells you that your car can spontaneously catch on fire while driving or parked and that there's no known remedy yet. Just saying, we got that notice anyway. um, So maybe your car will explode, I don't know. Just warning you, stay in here, right? It's not over. I believe, friend, I believe that the Holy Spirit wants to fill you today with a holy tenacity, a spiritual persistence that always prays and never gives up. You will do what Luke says, the reason for this parable is that you will always pray and never give up. And if you feel compelled to step out of your seat and walk to the front, you do that right now. I'm not done, but I want, man, you step out of your seat, you walk to the front, just find a place of prayer right now. Don't be shy, don't be bashful, don't be, encur- don't be discouraged, don't be embarrassed. Nobody's gonna judge you, they're gonna celebrate you and we're gonna stand with you in prayer. So if you need a, a breakthrough, you come right now out of your seat. Maybe your breakthrough will follow, listen to me, church. Maybe your breakthrough is gonna follow your push through. You need to, at times, gee, this parable shows it, the persistent widow. You need to push through your doubt, your fear, your your disappointment, your uncertainty, your lack of faith, your hopelessness, and your weariness. Church, we need to push through pain, heartache, heartbreak, confusion. You need to push through loss, anger, resentment, and unforgiveness. Some of you need to push through because on the other side of the push through is your breakthrough. And God is waiting to see if there will be faith on earth. In fact, that's the last words of this parable. You're like, well, that sounds odd, Scott. This is is how Jesus finishes the parable. It requires a bit of study, but the last part of this parable, Jesus said, however, when the Son of Man comes, Will he find faith on the earth? Now we're gonna, there's gonna be worship music. I'm in, you know, in a second, I wanna, if you're an altar worker, prayer team member, if you're a life group leader, 
you are on duty right now, okay? We've got a lot of people who responded. I don't want, I hope that nobody here stands alone. If your friend or family member came to the altar by themselves, you need to leave your seat right now and come stand with them, church. Altar workers, prayer team members, healing ministry members, life group leaders, you are a part of the prayer team today. Nobody should stand here alone right now. But, you know, there's gonna be worship. There's gonna be praise. We're gonna seek the Lord. And I felt this in my spirit, but Jesus isn't asking if there's fanfare. Because there's gonna be fanfare. Like, okay, wow, they like loud music at this church. They like the lights. They, it's all this fanfare, right? God doesn't need any of that. Those are preferences, right? And Jesus says, when the Son of Man comes, will he find faith on the earth? Jesus isn't asking if there's fanfare. Jesus is asking if there's faith there. Right here. Is he, he's, he's wondering, do you have faith to believe? Are you ready to believe that God is both able and willing to bring a breakthrough in your life? And here's the last thing, and then I'm going to have our team um, begin to, to play a worship song. <clears throat> and so that you know how kind of how this service will close, they're going to do, do a song. We're going to pray together. Again, eyes on Jesus. I'm gonna walk the stage. I'm gonna pray over each of you, just kind of speak life over you. But it's not, it's Jesus, right? Look at Jesus. We're gonna worship. We're gonna do a song together. I'm gonna come back on the mic and I'm gonna pray a blessing and then we're gonna dismiss. But during this time of prayer, man, I wanna, this is one thing I felt in my spirit this morning. Some of you, if you're listening, say amen. Some of you need to give up on giving up. Some of you need to give up giving up. That's the one thing you need to lay at the feet of Jesus today. You need to stop giving up. Because Jesus said that we should always pray and never give up. What do I do with the gap? I fill it with faith. The gap belongs to God and he will respond. How much more the God who loves you will respond to his chosen ones when we come in faith and come in prayer, seeking God for what we need.